welcome to Consumer Choice Radio. Thank you for adjusting your radio dial to be with us here. This is uh, the one and only program dedicated to trying to get more consumer choice around the world. I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki, broadcasting to you from the home studio uh, here in Vienna, Austria. We're broadcasting on Saga 960 AM in the Peel region, Ontario, Canada, and on the Big Talker 106.7 FM in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, I'm doing all of this right now behind the mic, but I'm also joined, as always, by my colleague David Clement, who is up there in Toronto. David, how goes it? Oh, it's going well. It's going well. we got a lot to talk about, so much to talk about this week that we actually don't have a guest. So that's how you know there's... uh, there, there's lots of very juicy subjects for you and I to dig into. And there's been a lot of great guests the past couple of weeks. I mean, talking about everything related to lockdowns and lawsuits and public health and vaccines and everything else, uh, definitely go over to our website, consumerchoiceradio.com. Uh, we're getting a lot of clicks there, David, getting a lot of listens, a uh, nice little redesign. Hopefully people like the art. If you don't already, you can also subscribe to this full radio show as a podcast in case you can't always be here to stream uh, during our our times that we broadcast Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saga and Saturdays at 10 Eastern on The Big Talker. So please do that and uh, subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, That uh, always helps us and helps uh, boost our confidence a bit, you know. It's it's a lonely biz in the broadcasting space. All right, so David, uh, there's plenty of stuff we wanted to talk about, definitely related to things happening in the U.S., across Canada, uh, some great supranational stuff at the larger levels. Uh, but I did want to play one quick clip. This is related to something we've talked about, I think, the past couple of weeks, uh, related to the Suez Canal. And I came Ooh. across this uh, very interesting clip. I believe this is from a cartoon. So I just want to get your take. Um, there was, All right, let's hear it. If uh, any of you saw the memes about the Suez Canal and the ship that was stuck, the Ever Given, there's a lot of commentaries about how the goods uh, flow across the globe and have to go acro- around certain areas and can't go through the Suez Canal or could not and uh, had to go elsewhere. So here's our clip here. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. What is this supposed to be, a lima bean? It's a heart. That's some shoddy craftsmanship, son. I tried my best. No, you didn't. You slacked off and took the easy way out. In this world, you can either do things the easy way or the right way. You take a boat from here to New York. You gonna go around the horn like a gentleman or cut through the Panama Canal like some kind of Democrat? Um, the canal? You go around the horn the way God intended. You go around the horn, David. And that's what plenty of people were doing here uh, a couple weeks ago, going around the Horn of Africa. <laughs> oh, that's I think good. that's Bojack the, Horseman, of, I think. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of good pirate memes, too. Ah, oh, that's true. Uh, for anyone who's seen Captain Phillips, <laughs> it was the the main Somali character. Uh, his, his image was plastered all over the internet as these boats then had to uh, go around the the Horn of Africa down South Africa across. So uh, it was it was a very good week or good month for quality memes. It was. And the memes continue. Uh, money printer go burr. Uh, here's our next topic for this segment. Uh, Janet Yellen, who is the finance secretary in the United States, uh, mentioned something that will impact everyone around the world. Uh, she came out in a speech, I believe, on Monday and called for a global minimum tax rate. This has to do with the, quote, 
race to the bottom, uh, specifically when it comes to corporate taxes. And I know, David, that this, there's also murmurs of this in Canada and what the impact would be, uh, but uh, we saw some reaction as well from Amazon. So the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, uh, came out with a statement uh, that he was actually supportive of this measure, which I, I guess uh, any company that can afford the bills is very happy. Uh, but what are your kind of thoughts on the cutting the corporate tax rate, or sorry, cutting, raising the corporate tax rate and then harmonizing it around the world? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's not not a not good policy. Um, for anyone who reads Andrew Coyne in the Globe and Mail, he had a great op-ed highlighting why it's a silly idea. Um, so I'll quote him. Uh, so basically what he says is what Janet Yellen is proposing in some is a global tax cartel rather than compete with each other to attract private capital governments would collude with each other to extort it and i think that's a really good summary of why this is a problem because the competition between countries is actually beneficial just as it is in the market um so i mean the reason why companies can't raise prices at will and gouge consumers in large part is because we have an open economy and there's competition. And if one company tries to do that, other products become more attractive and consumers go elsewhere. Well, there's the same thing with corporate taxes and where these companies end up. And the the justification for it um, from our friends on, let's say, the left side of the political spectrum is that it's a that you have to increase um, corporate, or you, you can't allow for this competition to happen because it's eating into revenues. Um, but the thing is, is that isn't true. I don't know what the U.S. numbers are on this, but I know the Canadian numbers show that, so 30 years ago, the Canadian corporate tax rate was uh, 38%. And over the last 30 years, we've reduced the corporate income tax to 15%. And yet, because that has spurred growth in the Canadian economy, the revenues from the corporate tax have actually stayed about the same as a share of GDP. So we're lessening the burden on business, which is great, while not creating some huge budget hole by just blowing up the system completely. And so the kind of doom and gloom that the Janet Yellens or now Trudeau have kind of kicked, kicked about is just not reality. Um, and we're seeing in real time the benefits of having that competition uh, and the benefits of that general lowering of corporate taxes over time. And we're just talking about here uh, federal corporate tax rates. Um, definitely every state or province will have um, similar taxes. Uh, oftentimes, if it's in a place like California, um, you can imagine it's kind of not going to be fun. Now, this oscillates every time that you have different parties in government. Uh, so there's always going to be an increase in the corporate tax rate when Democrats are there and Republicans will try to lower it. Uh, we saw with Trump, this was something that he definitely got behind during his administration. And there was a lot of money that came back into the country from abroad. And what's interesting and why it impacts consumers, obviously, is what is going to be the impact on prices, on the ability of corporations and companies to invest. And I, I just cannot stand... Once again, all of these news articles about how X and Y company pays no federal uh, corporate tax rate or something like this. It's like, guys, please understand how taxes work. You are taxed on your total profit, 
that is basically everything after you've invested into your company, after you've paid everybody, after you've done and jumped through all of the hoops. And yeah, for most and business, research and development. Yeah, and, and most of the time for most businesses, you know, they're not it's they're not sitting on eighty percent margins. You know, that doesn't exist. I think uh, there's a, a friend of mine in Florida. He was an accountant and uh, was discussing this with me. And he said, "Look, you look at the margins on most industries, and they're fairly low. You know, it still is a large amount, but you know, it's not just sitting on piles of and upon piles of cash." You need to continually do research and development, like you mentioned. And it's all this stuff that I think most people just don't understand. And this kind of idea that people are hiding things from you and everything else is bad. One other additional thing I'd like to add is definitely jurisdictions like Ireland are are uh, shaking in their boots. Definitely Canada. I mean, we saw uh, Burger King you know, move its headquarters up to Canada. There's probably uh, many more companies that did the same or have are thinking about it. And what does this mean if you harmonize tax rates? You know, this is a big discussion in the European Union. It means less tax competition. It means less ability to attract any kind of industries and just a lower incentive. Like, why would I start a business and then, you know, be pinged with this 50% rate if I can go one country over and it's half that? Yep. Yeah. And, and the thing is, the people who really hammer home this idea, in my opinion, fail to understand that at the end of the day, the corporations themselves um, don't actually pay the tax. People pay the tax. You either pay for it uh, when it's passed on to consumers via higher higher prices, shareholders pay for it in lower returns, or a company's employees pay for it in lower wages or fewer job opportunities. And so, I mean, that's actually the the argument of why, and a solid argument of Maybe why a corporate income tax is unnecessary because the the tax man gets its claws into you at some other point along the income chain, um, and and on Ireland real quick another great op ed recently was from Jack Mintz in the Financial Post and he just hi- highlighted that the, the the benefits if countries were to follow Ireland's lead because Ireland has really turned the boat around in terms of its growth and it's really outperformed pretty much all of its comparable um, countries oh definitely uh, for almost for, every metro ireland what's really interesting is if you just go back you know not even 100 years it's not a mistake that you have hundreds of millions of irish descendants in north america because ireland was mm-hmm. a backwater it was a terrible country it was poor it was not developing is really just in the last couple of decades when you did have these changes in tax regimes that you had the large you know firms and companies moving there setting up shop apple does all of its european stuff through there uh, facebook very similar much the same for a lot of american tech companies but you know here's a case where you've had great tax competition that has allowed ireland to go up and to to add to this it's not something that the european union likes you know ireland is definitely a member of the european union but that means that every time that there's any of these lawsuits about taxation, it's actually incredible. It's not covered much in North America, but essentially the EU sues Ireland every couple of months because its taxes are too low or because they don't tax companies enough. And the EU would like to have you know, a big cut of it. And that's what all of this comes down to is that governments are looking for a cut. And especially if you're going to fund a huge infrastructure bill somewhere around three trillion dollars trillion 
trillion. <laughs> With a T. Trillion dollars. That, that's what happens. I always think it's funny because in, in many languages, the word trillion doesn't necessarily exist. We've had to invent it recently. Like even in French, we just have to use the term billion, like kind of like billion, because it's like, all right, well, I don't know what else to do now. We'll just like use that other thing from English, I guess, borrow that and (laughs) tax it on. Uh, It just goes to show that this is a lot about money. It's not necessarily about trying to innovate and trying to get us out of the the slump uh, that the pandemic has caused or the reactions to the pandemic. And what's crazy is if you ever go to Ireland, so I had the, I was lucky enough to spend just over a week there um, two years ago. And you drive through the countryside and then you roll up to a city like Limerick and you're like, holy cow, why is this city so booming? And it's like, oh, because Google's here. And you're like, why is Google in Limerick, Ireland of all places? And it's like, that's where they're, they're, they've put their office or all of these other communities that are now like these booming hotspots. Um, and I mean, there's, there's almost no negative to that. And so you, you take a trip through Ireland for a week and you see the impact um, and the prosperity that's kind of driven um, from their, those type of policies. And it becomes quite clear that they've figured something out. So it would be nice if uh, rather than rather than talking about how we can all, um, how all governments can take more of the pie, we should be talking about how do we make the pie bigger. And that seems to be what Ireland has has figured out. And this is a population of only 4.7 million people. I mean, that's that's half Quebec. That's like a third of North Carolina. I mean, that's that's insane. And uh, what I really love about these... And a country... And a country, as you mentioned, that was incredibly depressed for all sorts of geopolitical reasons. It really was a a very tough place to live for a long time. And now it's completely flipped that around. And that has been a huge benefit to consumers, to anyone who's uh, living there, working there. And uh, yeah, what a success. So that we'll come back here on Consumer Choice Radio. Time to pay the bills. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey, here's the deal. I'm, if you um, like to be able to... Well, I'm good. Look. I want to get things done. If you... I want to get them done. Um, um, best way to get something done. And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio coming to you on Saga 960 AM in Ontario, Canada, and on the Big Talker out of Wilmington, North Carolina. Yael, we were just talking about uh, global corporate income tax and if there should be a minimum uh, corporate income tax. What other issues do you have on the docket for this week? Because I know there's a long list of them. Yeah, I think what uh, is interesting is to discuss kind of what's happening in the sports and cultural realm. Uh, This is related to everything that's happening with the Major League Baseball uh, League, Major League Baseball League, (laughs) with Major the MLB. MLB. Uh, So against uh, once more, uh, a large sports organization is sort of uh, in the political fray. Uh, This relates to the All Star Game. They've pulled it from the city of Atlanta due to Georgia's latest. Uh, voting reform, and uh, this has been a, a very hot deal in the United States. I was wondering sort of your takes on that. I know you're a big sports guy. You you follow many of these leagues. I know you're a big uh, 
big fan there of the Blue Jays, and uh, this is obviously going to going to you know impact a lot of people. And uh, from what I can see, this has everything to do with what the voting reform was in the state of Georgia, what it means, and then basically now mm-hmm. we've we've called upon all of our our companies, uh, things like Coca-Cola, Nestle, and all these other companies to also join into the political fray and once more have an opinion on public policy. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, I mean, my general opinion of these voting laws or restrictions or however we want to call it is that most of them are just completely unnecessary. It's not needed. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the reaction to it is really overblown. Um, and it's highlighted some inconsistencies, which I've seen kind of play out on Twitter, where people, whatever the limitation on advanced voting is in base, in Georgia based on this new law, there was some outrage and some opinions on who that was targeting and whether it was disenfranchising African Americans. And I think you could actually make an argument that it does. Uh, but at the same time, you have states like New York or Massachusetts who actually have stricter advanced voting laws and a shorter time frame and things like that and so it's it, it just seems like there's a lot of cognitive dissonance where it's like yeah these are really kind of silly and unnecessary laws but they're also on the books in the states that we're not protesting about so it really leaves a lot of the people who are supportive of moving the all-star game left looking a little bit like fools because wherever the game the all-star game goes there are restrictions there as well that are certainly worthy of criticism and, and protest. That, that relates, and, by the way, to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about the Olympics in China and, uh, you know, what states or countries like Canada or the United States should do. You know, it brings up a lot of things. You had some of these companies that are boycotting Georgia or doing whatever. Uh, they're, they're happily sponsoring, you know, uh, the genocide Olympic. I'm sorry, the, the Olympics over there in China. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's in no world... It, would it be appropriate to pull your sponsorship out of an event in Georgia, despite its flaws, and yet continue your sponsorship of an event in China? There's just no metric in which you could con- you can call yourself consistent. Um, and I mean, obviously, that those companies are probably going to get dunked on uh, when the time comes because they'll probably have billboards and banners uh, along the soccer pitch in, in Beijing or uh, on the billboards for the Olympics and they'll be corporate partners for the Olympics as they've always been. But yeah, it's, 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 it, it is kind of strange to see companies take a stand on these voter laws, whether they're good or bad. Um, but then kind of tiptoe around a significantly more pressing, um, and more violent issue in regards to what's going on in China. And what's also interesting in regards to the Georgia mess is Biden, President Biden was asked, okay, well, are we going to boycott the Masters? So the Masters are this weekend for any of my fellow golf fans. This is, this is the holy week of golf um, when professional golf descends on Augusta, Georgia to play for the Masters. And Biden said, no, we shouldn't boycott the Masters. And then everyone was like, well, what? Like, why not? And then all of his arguments for not boycotting the Masters also applied to not moving the All-Star game because obviously you move the All-Star game, it's a huge event, there are a lot of jobs that are reliant on that event, and you basically just take that opportunity away from the people of Georgia, people who are in Atlanta, 
um, people in economically depressed areas who could use the, the, the economic boost of a, of a major event like that. Um, so it just seems like it's inconsistency all around. All right, so let's get into the, the nitty-gritty of the bill. So I think I will agree with you that you don't necessarily need to have this, this bill and these changes. You know, it's kind of ridiculous to do this after uh, the Trump escapades of the last year. So obviously the Georgia Republicans are trying to do, you know, some kind of, of great signaling to the Trump camp and to the Trump folks. Um, you said there was fraud in the election. Um, whatever. So go ahead. We're, we're going to introduce these changes to try to stop that. And, you know, that's the first point. And then the second is, if you actually look into the law, you know, it's actually incredibly permissive. Um, the amount of early voting, which, you know, can take place up to a month before Election Day, uh, essentially having uh, polls open until 7 p.m. Um, every of the all of those days, having weekend voting, uh, having absentee voting. I think what the problematic aspects that people point out is that you have to introduce some kind of ID number on your absentee ballot. Now, I've done absentee voting before. Uh, it's not necessarily onerous. Uh, it's pretty easy to do. You're able to drop it off at the post office. Uh, one of the reforms says that there should be uh, a the number of drop boxes should be proportionate to the number of voters in a particular district. And uh, people are saying that that is reducing the amount of people who are able to vote because there are not as many drop boxes. But the drop boxes are actually an invention of the last election because of the pandemic. So it's this kind of crazy thing where if you look at the laws in 2019 versus today, they're way more permissive. Uh, there's a lot of that. You know, the Sunday voting is allowed, the souls to the polls from many of the black churches. Um, there's other aspects of the law when it comes to checks on local election officials, which, as far as I understand, is pretty within the realm of what it says in the Georgia Constitution and how the government works. Uh, but that doesn't really matter. You know, the facts of this doesn't matter. It, it is the history of Georgia that is important uh, from everything I'm reading from the Northeast press. Uh, any kind of voting changes are always going to be discriminatory because of the history of Georgia. Uh, but look, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to, to call it for what it is. And uh, Joe Biden himself, president of the United States, has been caught in a couple of lies on this bill, saying it, it cuts off voting at 5 p.m. every day and that harms working people, which is not true. Hasn't really. He's been called on it actually in the Washington Post, so I did appreciate that. They gave and, him uh, they're, three they're, Pinocchios for that one. I think even four. Oh yeah, the, the infamous four Pinocchios. That, that I, I mean, Trump had five Pinocchios according to the Washington Post at all times. So, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> good amount of balance. Uh, there is an article from uh, MSNBC.com uh, by Noah Rothman, who's a, a writer I really much enjoy. Uh, all about this. We'll put that in the show notes at consumerchoiceradio.com. Um, if I could relate this to North Carolina, it's very, very, very similar to everything that happened with so-called HB2. This was the bathroom bill, uh, they called it in North Carolina. Uh, the NCAA was also very ticked about this. North Carolina lost out a lot of investment. Uh, there were a lot of the production companies that did Hollywood movies like Iron Man used to be in Wilmington, Wilmington, North Carolina, but in reaction to HB2, to this bill, which uh, made it so, I mean, it was, it was a ridiculous bill. Yeah, Basically, was, you're only terrible allowed terrible policy. You're only allowed to use the bathroom based upon whatever gender you had on your birth certificate or something like this. A huge intrusion of government uh, into your own life and into... Okay. 
basically real, private facilities. Real quick, just to highlight the inconsistency there, because it just came to me. <laughs> you, in theory, could have a Republican supporter of that bill <laughs> essentially advocating for checking IDs to use the bathroom while also being opposed to a vaccine passport. <laughs> And at the same time, someone who uh, would be against that former law saying that yes. uh, you don't need an ID to vote. And yeah, it's, uh, as you said before, a crazy cognitive dissonance on all sides. And, uh, you know, the big corporate reaction, uh, that's going to have an impact. You know, it, it's not every day that many of these companies are, are kind of falling into that trap. Uh, we had an interview a few weeks ago with uh, Dr. Kimberly Josephson about woke companies and woke corporations and uh, what that means for consumers and whether really our needs are being met because there is such a focus on politics, uh, I think that's problematic. You know, in any case, whenever you have companies that take a position on public policy and it's not related to their product or what they're doing, it has everything to do with signal. It has everything to do with perception. I don't blame them for that. I just think it's not a good moment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to explain it, David. Yeah, yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah, and there's um there's probably going to be uh, more backlash that we'll see uh, other various sporting leagues. The impact on the people there is obviously very important because, as you mentioned, uh, the amount of money that is going to Atlanta or was going to Atlanta for this large event. Um, again, let's look at what's happening uh, with the Olympics. I know North Korea ain't going to be participating, not because of any Uyghur stuff. They're probably because they're not, you know, they don't have enough concentration camps. Uh, but mostly the <laughs> pandemic, but <laughs> yeah, I think the Olympics thing will, will probably, that'll probably come to the fore. I'm, I'm basically predicting, David, in a couple of months, we'll be talking a lot more about that and boycotts, but you know, there's always a reason to boycott the Olympics. There's always something geopolitical that's happening where someone's being impacted or some, some rights are being infringed upon by some country. There, there's always something that's yeah. happening. I mean, oh, yeah. what was it? Sochi, Sochi, Russia was the last big one. Yeah, uh, but, did uh, anyone boycott Sochi? No, I've not as far as I know. Because you know, I, maybe, oh, I yeah. oh, I think the in the Olympic Committee, uh, I don't know if it was for Sochi or the other ones, but they didn't allow Russia to participate at all because of the that doping. Was, yeah, that was the doping scandal. So they had so <laughs> they all had these Russian guys under, just show up with white jackets. You know, yeah, they competed strange. under the Olympic Committee flag. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Crazy. Yeah, that's. I mean. But at least they still got to compete. Um, but <laughs> it was kind of funny to see, like, on the podium, you have the American with the gold medal, the Canadian with silver, and it's like the individual who happens to be from the Russian Federation in bronze. Yeah, this this is the thing with the Olympics. I, I mean, I do enjoy a lot of the winter sports uh, just because Austria is, is typically doing pretty well. Uh, it's the only time they kind of... They're at the top of anything, so that's cool to see. Uh, but I know one thing that we'll discuss in the next next segment. We'll talk about our boy, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Uh, a lot of stuff that's been happening there related to the pandemic and the vaccine rollout. Uh, Dave, can we get a quick vaccine check-in with you? Uh, numbers in Ontario and in Canada, how are things progressing? I know that yeah. you, you had some, some words on Twitter about your, your local MP. Uh, yes. What's the update? Yeah, so I'm getting really tired of our federal members of parliament throwing up graphs on Twitter to pat themselves on the back about vaccine pr procurement. Because right now we're like 50th in the world. 
But if you just pick a different group of countries to compare us against, all of a sudden we're like fifth. So they'll be like, oh yeah, we're fifth in the OECD or we're twelfth uh, in this other category. And it's like, what a useless distinction. Um, I mean, we're in the middle of a third wave and you had members of parliament essentially trying to do a victory lap as if they had done their jobs. And while at the same time, Canadians are watching the Toronto Blue Jays on TV in Texas with a sold-out crowd. And so I don't know who is buying this. Like, we're literally watching the world, or the U.S. in this case, open, while at the same time, I mean, in Ontario, we could be at a stay-at-home order in the next few days. Like, we are back to where we were in April of last year. And yet you have other places that are now completely opening up and having mass events and things like that because their vaccine rollout has been far more successful. And so it just seemed really tone deaf for our members of parliament to try and take a victory lap on our vaccine procurement when, in comparison, we're not doing well. Yeah, that's true. And I, I know that the procure, uh, procurement game, God, what a word. Uh, the procurement game has, has definitely been a headache, uh, specifically related to the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, we had some good conversations last week with Dr. Henry Miller. Go over to our website, consumerchoiceradio.com. Uh, you can get more there. David, we've got plenty to come here uh, for the rest of the hour. You guys stay tuned. You're listening to Consumer Choice Radio. We'll be right back after this. I want to get things done. And welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting here on Saga 960 AM and the Big Talker 1067 FM. Thank you guys so much for coming back. It was a short break, uh, but we're back with more news and analysis. Uh, David, can I go ahead and hit you with a clip? I want to get your reaction somewhat related to what we discussed uh, before the break and uh, actually could open up a couple other topics for us. Uh, are you ready to get this done? Ooh, yeah. Let's hear All it. Right, yeah. So, uh, let me see if you can get this, but this is Charles Barkley. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats, and their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's, let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Ooh, David, you're a sports guy. What do you think of uh, Mr. Charles Barkley and his comments? Yeah, Sir Charles Barkley. I mean, I, I I like I like what he's saying there, especially. I mean, so that was certainly a characteristic of the Trump era, and I think it's certainly a characteristic of the Democrats' response to the Trump era. And so I like that he's. Uh, he almost like enunciated the and Democrats the second time around, which is, I think, what maybe caused some of the stir online, um, because a lot of Democrats are probably like, well, what do you mean? How, we don't fall into that category. And it's like, wow, well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. 
Um, so it's it's and some say that uh, Mr. Barkley might also be one day a political candidate, and uh, he has in the past espoused uh, some affinity for the Republican Party. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he is a Romney-esque Republican, um, like a, a old Republican or or a Mark Sanford Republican, the type of Republican that we would see. Oh, looks like the Amazon's guy guys here again. Um, the type of Republican that we would see pre-Trump, um, so a little less populisty, a little more polished, a little more considerate or however we want to frame that. Um, yeah, I mean, I have no idea what his values and beliefs are. So I couldn't speak to whether or not he would be a good candidate or one worthy of support. But um, it is... It, Do you need to get that, David? It's very important. Nah. Amazon packages are prime. <laughs> no, no. They, they can leave it at the door. They have clear instructions. Leave it at the door. Okay, okay, good. Uh, guys, We here on Consumer Choice Radio, we want to make sure everyone gets their Amazon deliveries on time. And uh, at least for me, I always have to go sometimes and pick it up at the post office, which is quite far away and not very fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting moment. Again, the uh, the continuing ongoing mishmash of culture and politics and how it impacts people who watch these sports. I, I have seen some statistics, David. I don't know if you're familiar as to how viewership of sports has actually declined or gone up in certain circumstances. A lot of people would like to map it to what has happened when these sports have dipped their toes into the political realm. I don't know if you've seen that or if it impacts much. I don't think anything like that has impacted hockey. Definitely NFL. I guess now MLB is yeah, on the list. NBA, definitely. Are, are, is viewership actually down, though? Like I, uh, I, feel like... I have, I, Yeah, I saw a morning consult poll. Again, I don't know if it's the actual ratings or maybe it's just people's and, perception. Yeah, I, I would I would be hard. Pro- I would I would be skeptical if there was analysis that said that there was a considerable decrease in viewership as a result of certain actions by the league, whether it be the NFL and um, like it would be hard to gauge that in the context of the pandemic because you don't have fans there. Like the NHL was in a bubble, um, which made it incredibly exciting if you're like a super fan, but then maybe took away some of the excitement because you don't have the crowds and like the the hoopla or the social aspect of sports, right? You don't have like the Super Bowl party where you have 30 people over. And um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I, I would be hard pressed to see if numbers really went down that much, Um just because I don't know if there's really that many people who are that outraged, but maybe you would know better. Like when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, did, did people really like unmask stop watching their favorite football team on Sunday? I, I do. I, I do think there was a measurable decline. And now I'm, I'm not hundred percent certain, but I, I did read that across various media that there was a measurable decline in the number of people who were watching okay. NFL games. Okay. And that was before pandemic age. All right, interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how... I think here, this is a good pivot to the consumer corner. Uh, so talk about uh, some of the little technologies or packages or things that you as consumers are very familiar with. When it comes to sports, is there any sport that does it better than any other when it comes to viewing the games or matches, being able to tune in, having apps... 
Are, are there any that you see that are doing just above and all a great job? Well, now I ask that because many different sports don't have these options or are only wedded to cable stations. Yeah. So the NHL just signed a deal for us rights with ESPN. And part of that agreement is it being integrated into whatever their app service and streaming services. And so those games will now be available to consumers on their phone and tablet, I believe to a certain degree. Um, now all of the Canadian outlets are fairly well integrated. So you can get Sportsnet, the Sportsnet Now app. So long as you can prove you have the, you actually pay for the channel. Um, you can watch that stuff on TV. Now you still do get blacked out of games if they're in market and on some weird rights and stuff like that, which is a real pain. Um, oh, that, that was, that's what I wanted to bring up yeah. to is I never understood that, that various games or, or blocked out, uh, blacked out because of the particular rights. That is something that you would think in the year 2021 would not exist anymore. You, you would hope. I mean, it's, 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 so I think back to like an old scenario where the Leafs and the Ottawa Senators were playing on the same night and like your cable providers package would determine what your coverage was. So like me being in the GTA, I, I, the, the game that's on is the Leafs. And if I try and go over to the channel to watch the Sens game or the Habs game, it's blacked out. And it's like, that's, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> It's limiting viewership, yeah. but it's, it, I have no, I, the, the complexity of whatever the viewing rights are and all of that jazz are, are beyond me, beyond my scope. Yeah. Of and I've, I've had some experience just trying to watch uh, particular sports and packages uh, in Europe. There's a, a fairly large streaming platform uh, here that, that people use to stream things like uh, American football, uh, soccer, and all these kind of things. And it's just an app that you can download uh, but then it's all German language commentary. <laughs> so you're, you're, you know, you're watching your favorite quarterback in Philadelphia, you know, hop over the pass and a guy in German who's describing it for the, you know, it gets, it gets a bit confusing at times. Uh, but one sport that does do a great job and I will give praise. Uh, I don't know how many fans there might be more in Toronto than in North Carolina, but F1 does a great job. F1 has its own platform. They have their own television network. Yep. Uh, they have their own app subscription, and everything works very seamlessly. You're able to watch practice and qualifying and all the races. I Maybe that's just because it's a global brand. And I think their owner is uh, Liberty Media Group. So they're, they're a bit more, uh, I guess they're very savvy with mm. how the rights are delegated. And they own a lot of those rights themselves. So they offer a great package. Uh, the NASCAR, which I'm very partial to, does not have this package. Mm. So if I want to watch it as someone, you know, working in Europe, I need to sign on to two VPNs, use my dad's cable subscription, log in on some strange website, make sure I have to refresh every 30 seconds. Uh, it's, it's very annoying. It's not at all consumer friendly. I've also tried the same with some football games, and it was very, very difficult. You know, I could only watch it on, on some of these German apps, and uh, they would also fail I don't know. I, I, I would think that uh, with the cord cutter revolution, a lot of this stuff would change. But uh, this is not just in terms of companies not delivering. It's also with many governments yeah. that are making it more difficult. Yep. And uh, the example that we have is our colleagues 
who are running a campaign in Mexico right now. Yep. Uh, Mexico has a content quota regulation that they're about to pass, meaning that these productions must be uh, domestic in Mexico and uh, all kinds of issues there. David, I know you've written about similar things in Canada when it comes to Canadian uh, music and content. Uh, what is the kind of background on this? I know that you've, yeah. you've compared uh, this to what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, it's just super, 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 it's very paternalistic. It's basically saying that, let's say the number is 15% or whatever it is, 15% of what Canadians listen to on the radio has to be Canadian content. And the issue there is you're basically saying that that's how much Canadian content Canadians want. And then you're forcing businesses to adjust accordingly. And we have this debate with Netflix and other streaming providers. And <clears throat> now the Mexican government is looking at something similar. And it just seems it's, it's such outdated policy for like 30, 40 years ago. That's just not relevant now. Um, and it's, it, it really is a hindrance to, growing these media platforms and it kind of brings me back you mentioned the language thing which i always find very interesting um so the fact that you can access f1 or other sports in other languages is such a useful tool to grow the sport um, and we do that here in canada with hockey because we have a punjabi feed for hockey night in canada and it's exposed the game to millions of canadians most who are immigrants or from immigrant families to watch primetime coverage in their own language. And it's like, it's awesome. Um, and it's highly entertaining. I don't speak Punjabi, but it's highly entertaining to listen to. Uh, if you're, if you ever, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they, they did that as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the more you can open that up, um, whether it be avoiding these language restrictions or content restrictions, the more you can open it up, the better it is to grow whatever industry you're trying to grow, whether it be a media platform or growing the game of hockey. Um, and so, yeah, it's it just, again, it just feels like old, old laws for the old industry that as we continue forward just aren't necessary anymore. And we definitely have seen that with many of the different proposals by certain governments mandating various technologies. Uh, it's somewhat related. It's going away from the principle of technology neutrality, that the government should not be in charge of picking winners and losers, because likely they would have chosen HD DVD over Blu-ray or yeah. something like this. Or Blockbuster and over Netflix. <laughs> there you go. And... <laughs> As we saw in the European Union, you know, they were put, we got a lot of pushback for writing this, but they wanted to put together a universal phone charger. So basically, every phone could only use the micro USB wire, uh, basically, as saying, like, yeah, we, everyone could only use one and it would be better for everybody. While at the same time, USB C, a much quicker and faster connection, is now becoming quickly the standard. So how can you have like a government regulation saying that this is the preferred technology when it can be replaced in about a year? And we're, yeah. we're seeing the same with electric vehicles and a lot of this stuff. Uh, this stuff is is quite maddening. And I know as a as a big technologist yourself, David, you're very incensed. Yeah, it does. It's like doubling down on fax machines. <laughs> that's that's what it feels like. <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, that that was cool. Like in 1994. And that was super useful in 1994, but it's completely redundant now. 
And the more they double down on trying to pick winners and losers, the worse that lag is uh, moving forward. There's a funny meme that goes around the internet. It's, uh, I'll use a Canadian, talking on the phone with someone from the CRA or a government agency. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, can you fax that to us? And the person on the other line goes, uh, sorry, where I live, we don't have fax. And they go, oh, well, where do you live? Uh, I live in the year 2021. Uh, those are the facts, by the way, on Consumer Choice Radio. David, pleasure being on on the radio with you guys. Uh, please do continue to listen in. Consumer Choice Center, or ConsumerChoiceRadio.com. Uh, check us there, and uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you soon. I want to get things done. I want to get things done way to get something done if you hold near and dear to you that you uh anyway i want to get things done and that does it for Consumer Choice Radio. Thank you for joining us for the hour and for all the other past shows and archives. Check out Consumer Choice Radio for much more. Consumer Choice Radio, hosted by Yael Ososki and myself, David Clement, is a syndicated weekly conversation featuring the latest news, interviews, and expert analysis that covers consumer topics from around the world, focusing on innovation, tech, regulatory policy, and science. Tune in every week to learn why consumer choice matters. You can find all of our previous episodes, interviews, and show notes over on ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, as well as the podcast version of this show. And as always, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you do listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at ConsumerCRadio, myself at Y-A-E-L-O-S-S, and David at Clement Liberty. And find our interviews on YouTube and Instagram just looking up Consumer Choice Radio. If there is a consumer issue affecting you that you think that we should cover, email us directly at hello at consumerchoiceradio.com. Thank you again for listening.
Church of America is healed and well again. Say it. Hallelujah. Glory. 